It's great to be able to find industry leaders that you can trust and put a little bit more faith in than maybe this or that, right? Like instead of somebody reporting on news, they're actually somebody who's making that news happen. Welcome, welcome friends, old and new. If you're here because you're a fan of this podcast, boy, do I have a treat for you today. If you're here because you're a fan of Katie's, be it her podcast, her club on Clubhouse, her company, or you just think she's super, super cool like I do, welcome. I'm thrilled that you're here. My guest today, Katie, hosts her own podcast called That Western Life, as well as started an organization called Cowgirl 911, both of which we'll spend next week talking about. This week, we're getting to know a little bit about Katie's background in Western life, about her goal, which much like my own, is to bridge the gap between everyday people and industry professionals. We also chat a bit about the process of becoming a rodeo queen, because I know nothing about any of that, and a ton about Clubhouse. She does an incredible job introducing herself, so I won't get into more intro here. If you are a fan of this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. There is nothing more helpful to increasing visibility of this podcast. I am also on Instagram and Facebook as at Ranch Collective Podcast. You can find sneak peeks, episode snippets, and all of my guests' social media there. Well, hey, everyone. I'm super excited to be here. My name is Katie Schrock. I'm located in the upper left USA in a great state called Oregon. And I'm just really excited to be here today and to talk a little bit about myself, which is so crazy. I am a podcast host myself or co-host myself with That Western Life. And it's just been a great adventure. I started my own company, Western Insights Media, about three and a half years ago. And it's been just such a ride since then. I worked in the Capitol before then, was a former state title holder for the Rodeo Queen pageantry world and played college basketball as well. So kind of a diverse background that I can combine all together into my company, which is Western Insights Media. There we do communications, marketing, public relations, et cetera. Uh, started as a small boutique agency and uh, getting bigger with bigger and bigger clients and events and uh, representing rodeos and hopefully some rodeo associations in the future, as well as farm stores, Western fashion, um, some county fairs, event centers, things like that. So it's really wild how we're just kind of all over the place and how everything really connects itself through the Western lifestyle. It's such an amazing and wonderful place to be in right now. With our podcast, That Western Life, we've built a community that's all about rodeo and, and learning more about the Western lifestyle. So we define it as 50% rodeo and 50% other, with other being anything from country music to farmers to ranchers to agricultural advocates, policy work, anything like that. And we've just enjoyed the ride that's been on. My co-host is Rachel Owen Sarno out of California, and she was the Miss Rodeo California when I was Miss Rodeo Oregon in 2016. So it's just been great to stay connected through that and introduce everybody to the friends and networks and connections that we've made through the years. And then another little side project that we've started uh, in the last two years is actually the Ag Leader Academy, which is online platform for online courses when it comes to building your farmer ranch. So creating an easy to reach online virtual access point for people to continue to grow their knowledge, to promote their direct farm market. If they're doing cattle or beef, I mean, I do chickens myself uh, for fun. We raise meat chickens and laying hens. And so there's just a lot you can learn through our different coaches that are there. Uh, Katie Lucas, a former Miss Radio Canada who works for the Cowboy Channel, has Cowboys in the Media, which is a course tailored just for cowboys to learn how to use media uh, to promote themselves and their sponsors and to gain more sponsorship. We also have Quest with Kate Cox and Little Bird Promotions, which is a queen seminar and training 12 module course for all things rodeo queening, which includes homework and worksheets. So Ag Leader Academy has all of that. And we're also on Clubhouse, uh, which has been really exciting with that new platform hosting rooms almost daily in regards to uh, networking, education, opportunity, and growth. Uh, every single room touches on two of those things. And then if I'm not busy enough, another passion project that I Started accidentally in September of 2020 when wildfires just raged across the Pacific Northwest. We started Cowgirl 911, and what we're doing with Cowgirl 911, it's a long story of how we got there, but as we move into the future, we're, we're providing free webinars uh, when it comes to natural disasters, livestock evacuation, uh, livestock uh, you know, health and first aid and moving from those free webinars, you get free workbooks with all of those eBooks, printables, etc. Again, everything is free. And then each quarter we represent a new nonprofit that has to do with livestock or natural disasters that are currently happening and all of the proceeds for merchandise and tailored items and supporting us makers with a variety of items for our bundles. We actually donate all of the proceeds to a nonprofit that deals with the theme for each one. So as we move into, uh, summer 2021, our theme is 
equine first aid and trail riding. And so that's what we're working for. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, it's cowgirl911.com or you can find the Facebook community or Facebook social media pages as well, cowgirl911. So a whole bunch of stuff there, but I'm so excited to be here on the podcast with you today. So thank you so much for having me. Yes, you're welcome. So I actually um, found you through Clubhouse because so since I've joined, I've been on the lookout. So I'm a creative. I joined because I'm a photographer and that's a, it's a great way to like educate and be educated and connect with other creatives that I may want to collaborate with or learn from. And I've kept my eye out for anybody doing ag or Western stuff. And I found no one. And then um, I have like not found anything, not found anything. And then my friend Jason popped up and I was like, Oh cool. Jason has a clubhouse. Cool. And so I follow him and I'm like, what is this? I saw it like on his um, profile. It was like ag leader Academy. I was like, what is this? And so I went in and I was like, this is so cool. And so immediately like followed everyone that's like involved (laughs) with that group. And I'm like, this Katie girl is so cool. I want to talk to her. Oh, thank you. I know. Can we, okay. Like, I'm going to say this not as like a brag, but as in like total shock and awe, but like how amazing is that admin group that I somehow was like blessed to be able to combine forces with for Clubhouse? I mean, I didn't know most of them. I've never met most of them in person, to be totally honest. They've all been connections either through Clubhouse or like I kind of knew about through social media and then really got to connect with on Clubhouse. And they're all like rock stars, like Jason with his Ag State of Mind podcast and all that he's doing as a pharmacist and a rancher and, and bringing mental health awareness to rural communities. I'm just like, how, how am I so blessed to be here right now? Yeah. So Jason was one of my early guests. Like it was like episode six or episode seven or something. And, um, I was like, what you're doing is so cool because particularly you see a lot in like, um, Western and ag culture. It's just like manly man and don't talk about feelings and stuff like that. I think more so than maybe in other subcultures that we have and he's like no 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 we're not doing that shit we are talking about it yep and i love i'm like this it brings such good awareness i think for a group who might not otherwise be willing or have the language to indulge in that type of conversation even like my co-host rachel like i always i always say she's like the funny one like she is our comedian she's a stand-up comedian and so like she said she like referenced a couple different comedians who made jokes like oh that's what you know liberals get that we don't get that like that kind of thing and so she kind of laughed and was like i, I mean i don't believe this but like, i heard this joke one time that's what they said and that's what i'm thinking when you're saying this and jason just laughed super hard and was like yeah but like we all have these issues we all go through these things maybe the 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 atmosphere or environments that put us into those feelings or into those situations are very different but the results and actions are the same we need to help each other no matter what yeah. And I, I mean, I for sure see like a lot of those jokes as well. And then I'm like, they're funny, but also like, it makes people feel like they can't talk about that stuff. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm glad that there's someone who is knowledgeable and is very, very vocal about it and has a little bit of a medical background and is like, listen, this affects everyone and we should all be talking about it. Yeah. And I think that the extensive education and research and knowledge that he's done both, um, what he has gone to school for as a pharmacist, but like also what he's been through personally that kind of motivated, inspired where he's at now. So I think that's really cool to be able to relate on, be like, well, I can relate with you one-on-one, but then on the flip side of that, Jason's also like, wait, here's the education to back that up. Here's the research, here's the data. And I think that's a really cool and dangerous combo. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely like a unique perspective to bring to that conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, and your podcast. So I was not, again, I wasn't familiar with it prior to, um, finding you on clubhouse and I've listened to a few episodes. Um, it's so fantastic. I love it. I'm like, I wish I could just, I feel like I'm in the room. I want to be a part of this conversation, but it's a recorded conversation. So I'm not, but it's, (laughs) I love it. It's really awesome. Oh, that's good. That's exactly what you want to hear as a podcaster. And I have to throw that compliment right back to you with all the ones I've listened to so far. Again, like I think we connected in the Ag Podcasters Room and the Ag Leaders Academy. So it's always awesome to learn about new podcasts that are out there. And like I always say, the best way to market your podcast is to market to other podcast listeners. And that's another great way of doing that. And so it's just been fun to listen. And I saw a meme one time and it's like, 
a photo, like a commercial photo of people eating ice cream and this person's eating ice cream next to them. And they're like yes. all excited. And like, this is how I feel when I'm listening to podcasts, like I'm with my friends, but they can't hear me, but I can hear them. Yeah, I saw it in, um, there's a podcast that I'm a fan of. It's um, a true crime podcast called Sinisterhood. And it was in like that Facebook group. It was like, oh. it was like the podcast host or Christy Heather. So it was like Christy, Heather, me feeling like I'm really friends with them in real life. <laughs> well, and the funny thing too, like for us, like with uh, Rachel and I co-hosting together and having guests on, we all, oftentimes, especially like our last episode, we had a fellow state title holder with us. And it was just so funny, the reminiscing. And one of like someone was like DMing me about something that we were talking about. And I remember being like, like, no offense to this person. I thought this was so awesome. But at the same time, I was like, I have never met you. And wherever you're talking about, like, these things that I've done in my life or people I've met or these experiences, as if, like, we're we're BFFs. And that's what I love about podcasting. It's such a cool way to connect with people and to kind of break down the barrier, which was, like, always, like, my, my, rule, like, my rule of thumb that I always wanted was to always have an open line of communication to be Someone who could answer questions. A lot of my friends, especially from college, come from different backgrounds. I've never been to farms or ranches. And so to be able to say, always say, hey, open line of communication. I want you to come to me first to ask questions. If I don't have the answer, I can find you an industry professional who can give you the answer. And so that's a lot of what our clubhouse rooms are doing as well as just connecting professionals. Like you may be a professional and know a ton about the cattle industry, but maybe you don't know that much about aquaculture. And with Seaspiracy coming out, you were like, well, what now? So we have a room on that and people can talk about it with people in aquaculture and the fishing industry and, and learn more about it that way. So it's just a really cool way to to stay in contact. And for those listening who may not know, Clubhouse is very much like a live podcast. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to jump in on those. There's, I think, just as much of a wealth of knowledge off the cuff as there is recorded and scripted. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of pushback. Like, so on the creative side, like with photographers, um, there's some like really, really well known industry photographers that are in there that are educating, they're sharing wealths of information, and it's incredible. And then there's like the other side is pushing back. It's like, okay, well, now we're not going to be able to have these like educational retreats or conferences and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, there's plenty of educational stuff to go around i was like you don't have to give away all the good stuff in a club in a free clubhouse room if you're charging for that type of education i was like but also you know a rising tide floats all ships the more Mm -hmm. the more that everyone knows and i'm sure this is applies in ag too like the more that like the average everyday person knows about how you know their food is handled and grown and treated and all of that the better it is for everyone. Well, like for us too, like just to build on that even more is like we, I think within weeks of kind of officially having the Aglier Academy, because when we got the Aglier Academy, it was still when you had to apply for clubs and then you got approved by Clubhouse. Now anyone can make a club, which is awesome too. But we had to apply and like wait for all this stuff. And I was so nervous because it was taking forever compared to like my other friends. And I was like, do they hate us because we're ag based? Like, what does this mean? You know, like I was like getting in my head with all these conspiracy theories, just stressing that it didn't do a good enough job and my, my copyright and things like that. And then what was crazy is within weeks of having the Ag Leader Academy on Clubhouse and connecting, you know, the couple hundred people that are already in that in that club, people were like, hey, are we going to have like a retreat? Are we going to do this? Which crazily enough, I started the concept of Ag Leader Academy three years ago. And the purpose was to have a digital Ag Leader Summit like a virtual one. Uh And so then I was like, well, this is crazy. Like we're kind of coming full circle here with everything. And so we started talking about ideas for doing a summit, hopefully this year. And we're actually, hopefully um, we're going to work everything out. Obviously everything's still kind of in the works, but you know, even though we're giving out all this information and connecting all these industry professionals, what we want the summit to actually be is just a retreat to get away and to continue strengthening those relationships with the people within the club that are industry professionals that you could use and leverage in your network or, you know, lean on in times of questions. Like for example, Seaspiracy is so hot right now. And the creator of it is the same person who did Cowspiracy, which I think a lot of people don't know. And so it was just really interesting because as we talked about it, we were like, Oh, let's have a retreat with um, maybe a partnership with the dude ranchers association. Let's go to a dude ranch and do jet skiing and fly fishing and like do all these things that we can 
just get together and meet. Like we'll have these industry rooms and we'll have great conversations about hot topics, keywords, buzzwords, all of those things, how to improve your business, how to improve your company. But then at the same time, getting out and and living some life with these people who are so similar, but from all different walks of life, I think are a huge part of building those relationships that you'll need down the road. Yeah. I, that's not, honestly, that sounds like so much fun. One of my good friends, um, who is a, like social media analyst. She runs this massive Facebook group and well, I mean, massive, relatively speaking, it's like 1400 um, business owners that are in there. Yeah. And she um, is like putting in the process, like putting together a retreat. We were going to do one later this year, but there wasn't enough interest and there wasn't like enough notice for it because, you know, you need more than like six months Mm -hmm. to to plan all that and get it out there. And especially when people, are traveling from all over the country. So she's like, okay, we won't do one this year. We're going to do one in 2022. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to get everybody in the same room. It's going to be a hangout and there's going to be education and it's going to be so much fun. Well, I think a big thing too is like, we're all craving human interaction. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, virtual could have been a great thing a couple years ago, but we're burnt out. Like I'm a 4-H leader too. Our kids are burnt out. Our adults are burnt out. Um, Zoom fatigue is like a new diagnosable thing, I guess. I was reading this article about it. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I guess I can believe it. Like things have been super crazy. So that was like the big part for like our summit is just like keep it small and just keep it fun. You know, like just keep it, keep it entertaining, keep it big. And then, you know, also provide, you know, we have those online courses and we have more coming down the pipeline that we're super excited about. And we are going to continue to build the rooms. And I think the the crazy part about the rooms and, and the crazy part about clubhouse is like, I can sit in on conversations that I never would sit in on before. So like, I got a notification the other day about a like modern carnivore room. And it, the title of the room, it was modern carnivore club. And the title of the room was like hunters and lab grown meat. And I was like, Oh, like this would be interesting. And what was so interesting for me is just in that room that, you know, you can do the statistics on, you know, like people with iPhones who have clubhouse, who are active, who are also in, you know, you can kind of break down the stats on yeah. on how random that actually is. And maybe this is just one point of view, but I was caught completely off guard when they were talking as hunters and fishers about being 100% pro lab grown meat. And that just caught me so off guard. And so I like pinged all, we have an admin chat on Instagram. It's like pinged all the admins and was like, Hey, I might, I might need some backup over here. And so it was really interesting because we, you know, joined with like, you know, Kennedy's a nutritionist. We have Jason, who's a pharmacist. Like we have these great, great admins who were able to jump into that conversation. And so then on this upcoming week, I think it's Monday, actually tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but we're having this room come out that is actually hunters, fishers, farmers, and ranchers having a conversation about conservation because it was interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what was interesting is the farmers and ranchers were like, we or not the farmers and ranchers, the hunters and fishers in this room. Again, that was a very, you know, that could be one voice in the industry. We're like, which caught me off guard. They were just like, we should turn all the farming and ranch land back to public land so that we can hunt and fish them. If we can grow all of the beef, chicken, pork, etc., in a lab. And that narrative, I was like, I've never even heard this before. Oh my goodness. So I, so I'm like dying to have someone who's um, like a hunter. That's also like a conservationist come and talk about like how um, like hunting and fishing are actually really, really helpful a lot of the times for conservation efforts. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting. I would have never guessed they were like super pro, like yeah. lab grown meat. And here's the thing. If that's what, you know, people want, people are interested in having that. That's great. I think that that is a wonderful oh, yeah. like alternative to what a lot of the general public sees as like something that is like harmful and hurtful to the animals that are being, you know, raised for food. And if that's like their way of like wanting to consume meat, that is totally fine. That's probably not the way I'm going to choose to consume it. I'll choose something like I'll probably stick with like the OG, like raised on a ranch way. Yeah, no. And I think it's definitely interesting. I think the only things that I've seen, like I love the science behind it and and where it's going. Um, The only thing I'm watching right now is I'm a big, I I guess there's so much you can do when it comes to food. So I'm a big fan of nutrient density. Like what's the nutrient level? Like 
whatever I eat, I want it to be good for my body. Like what, no matter how it's cooked, what it is, et cetera. And so, um, so far from what I've learned so far is like the lab grown stuff is actually really high in sodium and actually has a larger carbon footprint than I think, uh, growing meat. And so I'm like, yeah, we're getting there. Like we're totally getting to a place where maybe that's like a really viable option. But like right now I'm like, I'd rather eat something healthier, which would be like a steak versus a lab grown steak. And that's just as of this point in time, in my opinion. So it's just uh, interesting watching it grow and <laughs> pun there, um, watching it grow and, and, and the industry change and stuff. And so I've been reading, like, I'm such a, I'm such a nerd. Like I'm reading like all of these different books and textbooks about all the stuff that's happening just because I want to know. And I think a big part of that is that like clubhouse does help kind of satiate that curiosity and I was excited to be in that room and I also got to be in the room when all the people that were on Seaspiracy were talking like to be able to be connected just one degree removed like I was one simple hand raised away from asking a question to the people in this documentary that just hit number one on Netflix like how cool is that like I'm such a nerd that's like the coolest thing ever no that is super cool and especially like with um lab grown meats coming out um I mean and being available for public consumption. I'm like really curious. I'm like, okay, well what happens if like that is the society decides that that is the way that they want their meat to happen. Then what happens to all the farmers and ranchers? Yeah, exactly. And there's like so many different questions like that. So it's just, it's, I'd rather know than not know, I guess is like the big thing. And that's what I love about like books and clubhouse. Like there's this really small Twitter account called the ag book club. So if you guys like to read, go check them out. I, uh, I will admit I'm behind on my ag book club, but that's where you find some really good, uh, books about agriculture and ranching. And so I've read a couple of different books already just this year. I just started with them this year and it's like a free thing. They just tell you what books they're going to do each month and hold like this Twitter chat. And I just find it so interesting because I just, I I love to learn. And I think with my basketball background, like we always said, if you're not getting better, if it's not, if it's not helping, it's hurting. And so I'm like, okay, like what can I learn today? What can I learn this week? What online course can I take this month? So like, those are all big check boxes on my efficiency list, I guess you could say. So it's really fun to just keep learning and connecting with people and be able to ask questions too. Like I do a lot of freelance article writing uh, with my company, Western Insights Media. So we had done some stuff on duck boxes, which was a company that was releasing, um, trying to keep the fisheries, uh, you know, the fishing, fishing industry here in Oregon sustained while the pandemic closed all these restaurants. And so it was really interesting because I was able to call her. She sent me a ton of articles. It was really interesting because I had questions, you know, and I think asking questions is so important. And what I've noticed so far on Clubhouse, which I think is very reminiscent um and what I've read about Pinterest when it first started or Twitter when it first started, like things are so positive and so great. And so getting on Clubhouse and asking questions and getting answers or getting connected with people to ask them questions offline, you know, outside of that room conversation is just so cool. And I've been able to connect with hunters, fishers, land conservationists, but then also a demographic that I've always been intrigued in, which is chefs and cooks. So being able to talk to them about well, you know, you're a chef in Denver. Like, what do you have? Like, you're a chef in upstate New York. Like, what do you look for? Why do you look for this? Like, asking all of these questions about buying powers and stuff. I'm a nerd, so I just love it. <laughs> yeah, it's Clubhouse has made lots of people from like very diverse backgrounds so accessible to everyone. And I, I'm like you. I love educate. I love educating. I love being educated. I love learning. Um, so I'm just like, this is the coolest, like coolest platform. I remember prior to me getting on, um, I was talking to one of my friends, and she was like, "Listen, listen, Clubhouse is made for people like you and like me. We love to talk about stuff. We love to be educated on stuff. We love to like have conversations with our friends. And it's, it. She's like, it's a social media that's unlike any other before it. She's like, it is so cool. I was like, okay, send me the link. And since then, I've been like, at least one a day. I'm on like, way too many. Yeah, <laughs> way the, too many things. My first two weeks, it was. I think Jason said it best when he was on our show. He was like, I was drinking from a fire hose. And I was like, me too. And yes. It's it's interesting because like there's a kind of this progression of like doing too much kind of a burnout then you come back and they're trying to figure out how to like tailor their notifications and things like that and so it was really interesting because I've had people reach out and just say hey can you just ping me if you think I should be here and I'll come right because like they send a lot of notifications about all these rooms because if you have they have the 
I keep saying this, they have the best search engine optimization or SEO in their bio. So like when you're on Instagram or Twitter, you have like 120 characters, right? When it comes to 135, when it comes to your bio. And then on Clubhouse, you have like real estate galore. Like it's the size of Texas. And so what you do there is any words you have in there, it'll actually start connecting you with other people with those words in their in their profile. So just like your blog connecting to other blogs that are similar. And if all, the, like all these people with similar SEO words to you, are in a room having a conversation, even if you don't follow them, it'll notify you to join that room because it might be something of interest. And so I find that super cool. And, you know, just being able to, that's how I found that modern carnivore room or club with the room that they're having about lab grown meat. And I just thought it was really interesting because we were able to talk a little bit about different projects we've done, like here in the Northwest between hunters and farmers and ranchers with the landowner permits and, and helping a new generation of hunters get out onto property and connecting them with people. So, um, yeah, just really interesting stuff that's happening like all the time. And I just love it. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know that that's how clubhouse, um, did their SEO or whatever the correct term is. Um, because I get notified about these rooms where I'm just like, why is this? Okay. I have, I have like that. I love Taylor Swift in my bio on clubhouse. Right. So I get notified about all these like Taylor Swift rooms. I'm like, I don't want to go listen. I don't care. I don't want, I don't want to go listen to like a bunch of kids talk about how much they love Taylor Swift. Like I'm not interested in that. I was like, I'm just interested in connecting with other people who also like Taylor Swift, but I don't want to go talk about it. So, (laughs) but that's interesting. Okay. Now I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's really interesting about it. So like I always say too, like if you have at the very bottom, you can put like a um, ask me to speak about or um, want ping me into rooms about like anything like that. And then put a list of like keywords, like um, ranchers, ranch wives, mothers, uh, home cooks, modern homesteaders, horses, rodeo, barrel racing, anything like the agriculture, you can put all of these keywords in there and that's a great way. So what that means is that if you follow someone, so like for when I first got into clubhouse, I didn't have a club with all these rooms. I was like, trying to follow their protocol and be really specific about hosting these rooms that would be in the club, the Ag Leader Club. And so that was part of what gets you passed through faster to have the club. So what I would do is I would send over, like I would give people a code, like put Ag Leader, right? Put Ag Leader in your bio at the very bottom, right? And so if you follow me, I'll type the word Ag Leader into my search bar because you can ping people into a room. And so I'll just type in Ag Leader and it's like the code word for the coupon or whatever it may be. And I could ping anybody who follows me that has that code in their profile to join us in that room. So that was like a really cool way of doing that. But it's also a way to, because like I have a, one of my biggest clients is a very large four day country music festival. We've worked with like Hank Williams Jr., Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert, Luke Bryan, like Thomas Rhett, John Party, like all these different people. And so it's, it's great for me to jump in with my Nashville friends and have conversations about music. But like the average person probably doesn't know that about me, right? Like they know I like music, but they don't realize like, that's actually a big part. We do radio ads, commercials, like all these things when it comes to country music. So it's great for me to put that in there at the bottom, like country music festival, right? So I have country music and festival all there that will get pinged by these different producers or festival promoters and things like that to have conversations about what we're seeing as we come out of the pandemic or what other states are doing when it comes to music festivals. And so it's just this great way to learn um, and stay current, really on what's happening. Cause I feel like news is changing so much every single day. And so it's great to be able to find industry leaders that you can trust and put a little bit more faith in than maybe this or that, right? Like instead of just somebody reporting on news or actually somebody who's making that news happen. That's really cool. That's really valuable information to have. Cause I didn't know that. All the fun stuff. Yes. I love nerding out. So yeah. Ask me all things, algorithms and stats and all that. <laughs> okay. I might have to. Hey, this is Sophia Solzner, owner of the Western Tap Specialist and founder of the Punchy Posse. As a former guest of the Range Collective podcast, I can genuinely say I hope you are loving this episode and become a regular listener if you're not already. Harley graciously provided me this opportunity to talk to you real quick, so I wanted to tell you who I am and what I do to see if I can help you. I work exclusively with Western and rural women who own a business, whether online or in their hometown. I spent four years developing social media strategies through hands-on experience with clients all across the country. I took these proven strategies and seeing a need in the Western industry decided to serve my babes, my Western and rural women, and support them on their journey to being a successful business owner. At the Western Tribe Specialist, I offer one-on-one coaching and strategy sessions, Shopify website design, social media management, and a slew of trainings. 
My most popular program right now is called the Punchy Paycheck. The Punchy Paycheck is a monthly membership that includes a live training each month on a topic chosen to help you grow and maintain your business, a live Q&A session, and a private group chat exclusive to Punchy Paycheck members. All this is valued at over $300, but to allow as many Haas babes as possible to participate, it is only $29 a month. This program is a perfect first step to growing your business or an amazing accountability tool to keep you pushing yourself past the level you've already reached. If you'd like to sign up, you can head to thewesternshopspecialist.com. You can also find out so much more about me and my business on my website and a direct link to join the Punchy Posse, which is a group exclusively for Western and rural women business owners. I would also love to connect with you on any of my socials. You can find me on Instagram at Sophia Solzner or at the Punchy Posse and also on Facebook, just the Western Shop Specialist. I look forward to chatting with you and I really hope you enjoy the rest of this episode with Harley and her guests. Okay, let's back up just a minute. So what is kind of your background in the Western world? I know you said you were um, Miss Radio Oregon. You, I think you mentioned that you like, you played basketball in college. So my grandparents on both sides um, for a couple of generations have all been uh, farmers. One was a grass seed farmer, row crop farmer, and then the other was a row crop farmer and a Christmas tree farmer. So um, they're all located here in Oregon. And um, my dad took a little bit of a different route. He started his own company at a very young age of 16. And he started a road construction company, actually. And he's just, he's really inspiring when you see his whole story, like everything that he came through, he overcame some diseases, uh, diseases that sounded weird. He had alopecia. So he lost all of his hair. Um, when he was 15 or 16 years old, which was had to be super traumatizing at that age. And he worked full time, saved up all his money, bought his first. I think it was a backhoe is what he bought. And he just kept working really hard and uh, very mechanically inclined. And so long story super short, he actually has two businesses now. He has his what is three. He does some hobby farming because once you get farming in the blood, you can't get away from it. And so then my dad and I together have a small herd of cattle that we're, we're growing and building upon ourselves here in, in Oregon. And then he also is an aerial applicator. So I live in the most liberal city in the most liberal county in the, one of the more liberal states. And so with your dad as an aerial applicator, you learn really quick <laughs> how to have tough conversations with people a lot older than you about what it is your dad does and what it means that there's a variety of different organic herbicides, insecticides, pesticides that he can spray, like all these different things. And so that's kind of where I got this touch on everything, but because of how I remember like being in third grade and like, you can't sit with us if you voted for, you know, Bush, not Gore. And I remember being like, we're too young to vote. Like, what are you guys talking yeah. about? And so it was one of those crazy things just growing up. I, I avoided politics at all costs. I loved my horses, I loved cattle, I showed rabbits, played basketball and ended up going to Oregon State University, got a forward scholarship to play basketball there. Um, and when I was there, uh, you know, I was the country kid. I drove a 1964 Nova Supersport drag racing car. I was from the country. I wore cowboy boots. By the time I finished basketball, all my teammates from Oakland and Phoenix wore Romeos because it's the perfect slip-on shoe that doesn't get wet. <laughs> uh, rains a lot here. So my entire basketball team was in Romeos. I even gave presentations to our entire student athlete uh, body actually about cattle and, and beef and the importance of beef and grass-fed beef and connecting these because uh, we were told nutritionally you know all the different foods we had to eat and it was hard to get that protein it can be so expensive and so from there I just I feel like I kind of kept building this like advocacy platform I always said I would never be a rodeo queen I always wanted to be a rodeo contestant when I finished my basketball career and uh, said I wasn't going to be a rodeo queen. My sister held about six or seven titles, was the Miss Northwest Pro Rodeo Queen. She won every category to become Miss Rodeo Oregon. She was the second runner at Miss Rodeo America. She was featured in Cosmo as the the high-end fashion model who uh, moonlighted, I guess you could say, a rodeo queen who moonlighted as a high-end fashion model. And so uh, between her and a professor who had actually been the advisor at Oregon State for the 2012 Miss Rodeo America, Mackenzie Carr. Um, and then Mackenzie Carr herself, between all of them, they kind of end up convincing me to run. So I ended up being the first Miss Rodeo Oregon to win the title without holding a previous title, uh, I think in like 30-something years is what they had said at the time. So uh, it was super crazy to get to that point, but a big part of that was just finding myself after injuries from basketball. And so, uh, you know, dig into your roots and, and get back to where you – 
where you grew up. And that was bareback on a, a paint horse that I thought was my racehorse with a really overactive imagination. So got really stepped back into the ag sphere pretty aggressively, I guess you could say, with a focus on new media, communications, marketing, and uh, ag economics. Actually, I really found like a love for studying trends. I think that's just the basketball player in me. I really love strategy. And so then in uh, 2016, I started my year as Miss Rodeo Oregon in January 1 of that year um, after about four months as a lady in waiting. And then by March, I had actually been offered the job as the communications director and events management coordinator for the Oregon Cattlemen's Association. And at the time, cattle was the three-time top commodity for the state of Oregon. And so um, I taken Miss, I decided to do Miss Rodeo Oregon to get my foot in the door for a media marketing communications position in the ag world. And so I thought, oh, I, I've made it. Um, and I proceeded to work about 60 plus hours a week, um, went through sessions. I would, you know, moonlight as a rodeo queen, just like my sister did, I guess. And so I was reporting, uh, writing copy for lobbying. I actually was the registered lobbyist for a quarter in 2017. And um, yeah, I ran, I think the week before I checked in for Miss Rodeo America, I ran a convention for 500 plus people with 32 rooms, speakers and, and all these things. So like for me getting to Miss Rodeo America was, it was a great break. And I was very blessed to get to spend 10 days with uh, my best friends and good fashion, good food, great people and all things rodeo and was very blessed to make the top 10 at Miss Rodeo America for my year. That is so cool. Okay. I have a couple of questions because yeah, I, know, I don't know anything about um, like rodeo queening or anything. Um, but Okay, so what is like the process of becoming a rodeo queen? Like, do you have to compete in an event? Do you just like, I know nothing about it at all. Yeah, no worries. Have you seen the movie Miss Congeniality? Yes. So it's like pretty similar to that, except for instead of a talent, we have uh, horseback riding. That's our talent. So um, it's actually kind of crazy at the at a lower level. Um, and when I say lower level, that I'm talking like the buildup levels, like your county levels or your amateur rodeo titles. Um, they are phenomenal people who are volunteering and working at those levels to create opportunities to help people uh, get to the next level. And so what's really cool is at the smaller levels, it can be a one-day pageant with maybe like an interview with a judge or two. Um, there's always like a horsemanship portion, maybe a ticket sales competition, things like that. But when you get to the state level it's um you know you do uh oh my goodness flashbacks here so you have to do a written test you have to do rodeo knowledge rodeo history miss rodeo america history rodeo queen history you have to do know the rule book as well as any judge you have to have a uh, horse knowledge as well as any pre-vet major would have to know um, you also have to compete on your horse in a pattern flag run presentation run, but also you have to do it on a randomly drawn horse that you've never ridden before. So you, you step into the saddle just moments before the gate opens and you go in to be judged by a panel of judges, all typically out of state high end industry professionals. And then from there you do like your personal interview and that's going to be in depth on, um, you know, what's happening in the world, uh, public events, uh, you know, current events, controversial issues, agriculture, ranching, water issues, pollution, um, you know, there's a lot of neat stuff. You're gonna have to know all about that as well as be able to answer any sort of question about animal welfare versus animal, animal activism. You're going to have to be able to go into a horsemanship interview where you're going to have to orally be able to give all of those answers in regards to animal science and rodeo knowledge and trivia that can be, has to be the current you know, standings, who was last year's horse of the year? Who was the bucking horse of the year? Who were the sponsors? What do they do? How did they get involved? What's the history of rodeo? Like, there's so many questions like that. And then if that wasn't enough, then you have to do a speech in front of people. Uh, it's extemporaneous speaking. So you actually don't get to prepare a speech. You get, I think it's five minutes or 10 minutes, somewhere around there for a two to three minute speech. Um, you get the topic when you go into the room and then within 10 minutes of that, of you sitting down, you're on stage giving a speech, uh, being judged for that. And then you have to answer impromptu questions on stage. Sometimes you do have to do a dance routine. Um, and so then the whole time you're actually away from all of your family and friends. You have no contact to the outside world, no cell phone, no computer, no phone, no nothing. Um, we get the newspaper in the morning. That's how you kind of know if anything crazy happens in the current events that you may miss because you're you're in your little shadow box there. But it's just really crazy because you, you're judged every second of the day from breakfast to lunch, your composure, your um, ability to speak with just about anybody on any topic. And it can be a little archaic when you look at it, but the skills you get there are just absolutely phenomenal. Like the ability that I would have, um, 
you know, it really, it really worked well when I was in the Capitol, like the ability to jump up and testify and speak and inform an opinion and speak about what I thought and to be able to remember facts and stats and to put things together, connect dots and make educated conversation opinions and, and listen to other people as well. It just all, all pans in together. And then when you get to Miss Rodeo America, that's usually exemplified just tenfold. Like for example, the modeling portion, you know, for us was like, the local rodeo queens, the host rodeo queens, maybe the parents and family of the contestants and other queens. And then you get to Miss Rodeo America and the fashion show is live streamed over the Wrangler network for over a million people. And that's a huge change. And so then you have the big lights, the big camera, sell out crowds in Vegas and all this stuff. So it's just next level of how it all looks. And again, when you're at Miss Rodeo America, you're you have chaperones, you're locked away from your family. You typically see them maybe once or twice throughout the whole pageant. So you're very much on your own showing you know, that you can do your hair, do your makeup, do your, do your wardrobe and, and everything else in between. That is an experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. And so that's why like our rodeo queen class, like we made like this and this may be just like who I am. I love community building if you couldn't tell. And so like we had our own hashtag to start the year. We made a Facebook page. We had team shirts that were like baseball tees that said Queens 2K16's Queen Squad, which was our hashtag. And it had like our state or the, like the last name would go on the back and had the 16 on it for the year. And we all wore like, we had our team shirts and we, we were truly so close. We had a Facebook group. We like chat and it's to this day, we still chat every single day and we're almost five years out now. <laughs> yeah. So that episode, you referenced it um, earlier. You had um, somebody else who was in that competition, I think with you. Yeah. Yeah. Tori Miller and Mr. Odeo Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> that was okay. That was a really, really cool episode. That was one of the ones I listened to. I was like, oh, oh awesome. this is so good. <laughs> we, you know, you never know because sometimes it gets hard when you're super familiar, like with your guests, like when you know them really well, cause you're just like, is, is like people going to feel left out of the conversation or are they going to get it? So we try to do a good job. I don't know if you noticed, like explain the jokes, tell the funny stories, but it's so crazy how we all started the year. Like, Oh, we're not like, we're not good enough. We know like all this stuff. And then by the end of it, we're like, we're best friends. And if you don't feel up to something like everybody else is going to raise, help you raise up to be there. And that was just like the coolest part is how close we all were to each other and, and still are to this day in our class. I mean, every class has got really cool people in it. Like every state sends their best person. So you just get to meet the most amazing people. But like our Miss Rodeo Virginia was super young. Uh, she was 18 her year and just super crazy. But she's now the star of Cowgirls, the TV show about the ranch bronc riders. And she toured with the PBR and she's won the show two times. And I'm just like, it's just so cool. The people and you know, like Lisa Lagashar, Lucia, like she's uh, running barrel horses in Texas. And her husband's Anthony Lucia, who's a rodeo announcer. Like it's just so cool seeing where everyone is and what they're doing and staying connected and having reunions and getting together for the national finals rodeo. It's just, it's also fun. Yeah. That sounds like a blast, but like, I never would have guessed that all of that went into being a rodeo queen. Like I never would have known. See, I don't think most people know that. And I think that was a big part for me too, is like when I decided to run, like I remember looking at my judge's face because they asked me a question about something. And I was like, what? To be quite frank, like I'm more comfortable tackling somebody on stage than I am with modeling. Cause like, for me, like I played basketball and so I was used to the media. I'd been our, you know, our school rep for women's basketball. I'd been rep to the Pac-12, to the NCAA, was on our branding committee for redoing our school logos and things like that. So it's very comfortable, like speaking. I had a really strong 4-H background, state team, national uh, ambassadors and stuff. And so felt pretty good about all of that. And I, I felt like I had all the components that the rodeo queens needed and I always said rodeo ambassador too. Like if you ever catch any interviews from me, I always say, oh, I'm a rodeo ambassador. Like I would never say queen because I felt like the queen part came from like the hair and the makeup and the clothing and the modeling and, the and like the photos. And I was like, I'm not photogenic. I am a terrible modeler. Like I get so nervous about hair and makeup and fashion, but I felt so comfortable talking about the industry, the ranching industry, the agricultural industry, rodeo industry, how to make rodeo more like mainstream sports. I had a pretty strong background in like minor league baseball and, uh, you know, collegiate summer baseball buildup programs and stuff. So I was really in touch with ways that we could take some mainstream media stuff and, and be able to make rodeo next level. And so that's what I was there to talk about and be passionate about. And so I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's in like interesting take is like talking about like making rodeo a little bit more mainstream. Cause I feel like right now, um, it's very, 
niche. Like there's a specific type of person who's really into rodeo and then anyone who's not like that kind of feels a little bit excluded. So it would be cool. Like I don't know. Have you been to the Reno rodeo? Oh yeah, I have. Okay. So, um, that's where I went to college and that's the um, bigger rodeo that I'm more familiar with. And I feel like specifically at that rodeo, they do a pretty good job, but that's because it's like the whole city comes together for that event and they do a really good job there, but I haven't seen that anywhere else. Well, and that's like the crazy thing too, because I feel like all of these major rodeos and small rodeos, the entire community comes around and it's like such a big part of it. Like when you look at the socioeconomic impacts that rodeos have on communities and in what they do to, bring people together, I think is really interesting. And it's just a real fascinating thing. And somebody that I met on clubhouse is like doing different studies for her doctorate in regards to the impact of, I think it's like rodeos and rural events uh, have for rural communities and like what they mean, you know, there is truly something tangibly specific about small town events or these rural events that happen. And so it's just really interesting to see that. And, you know, rodeo is making some big waves. Like they were in the finalist categories with the Cowboy Channel Plus, which is their app for streaming. Um, that's with uh, Jeff Metters, who's with Geronimo Productions. Uh, he, I think he's he's not the executive director for the Cowboy Channel, but he's one of their creative directors. And Katie Lucas, who used to co-host in 2020 with us for our podcast, she's one of their producers as well. And it's just really interesting seeing what all they're doing because, like, while I feel like they're doing such a great – like, they're doing a phenomenal job. It's also hard because Cowboy Channel creating its own channel was phenomenal during 2020 when everything was shut down. and We had to watch everything from home. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, well, when it used to be on CBS Sports Network, the random baseball fan may have found us and then found a new love for rodeo. So, like, how are we going to reach those new demographics now? And so I know that's those are all questions that they're answering every day and they're marketing and then – what they're doing with their programming and advertising. So it's just really interesting as we kind of continue to build. And I think a big thing too, is that being, and I said this in 2016, I think it's still true now and being country is cool. Like denim jeans is cool. Like Wrangler's making it as a mainstream fashion company. Country music is the hottest type of music out there right now. So it's just really interesting. So big part of what our podcast wanted to do and what we continue to do today from when we started two seasons ago and now in our third season is just connecting people who maybe go to just that one rodeo in their hometown, like whether it's a Reno rodeo or the Pendleton roundup or Cheyenne frontier days. And then maybe they just go to Houston for the music, right? Like let's, let's talk about Houston and, and Texas and all their big livestock shows and rodeos, but the huge concerts every night. So what we can do there is kind of start connecting who these people are, who, who are interested and they're like, well, I, mean, I want to learn more, but I don't know how to learn more. And so we try to be a little bit of that, connection point and get an open line of communication for them to learn more about the contestants, hear what it's like on the road, learn what it's like for a pay to play professional sport, which is so crazy. I think maybe, I think maybe golf is like in bowling. Like those are in some people even argue those aren't sports. So those are the only few like pay to play sports that are really out there. So it's just really interesting being able to connect those people through a love of, you know, stagecoach music festival or Reno rodeo and, and get them to get more invested. And the more invested they get, the more they buy from our sponsors, whether it be boot barn or the local, you know, farm store, big R coastal Wilco, anything like that. So just that's whole socioeconomic build on each thing. Yeah. It's crazy. And I, when I was doing some research for this episode, I came across something I might've been on LinkedIn or on Facebook. You said you're breaking down the division in the rural and urban divide. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's like a really powerful way to talk about like bridging that gap. Because like what I try to do with this podcast is I try to take like stuff that like maybe the average everyday person doesn't know about or they know like little things about because they're friends of a friend of a friend or something like that. Share education and information with them and share businesses with them where they're like, oh, this person, this is a real person that owns this business. I would like to connect with them because I thought they were cool or I thought they had really valuable information. And I love that you're doing the same thing and not just, I mean, not just on your podcast on clubhouse and it like across all of the media that you're putting out there. Well, I think it's just really important too. Like you're saying is that there's a person behind a brand and there's a person behind every brand and there's a person behind sports and you know, it could be, you know, it could be a steer wrestling contestant. I saw a post about this on Facebook from a guy who um he's like you know these little can the kids with their you know cotton candy grubby little hands sticking them out through the the rails trying to get a high five from a cowboy you know they don't care if you 
just totally blew your whole run. They don't care if you just set the arena record. They just want to have, they just want to, you know, a high five from a man in a cowboy hat because he's a cowboy. Right. And he's, yeah. he's that connection we have to the, the wild west. And so it's just really cool to whatever we can do to provide that opportunity. I know we switch gears a little bit when it comes to the national finals rodeo and we do all strategy because that's just something I'm a nut about. And so we get into pretty in depth about who could win, who's still in the running, what needs to happen, what are some scenarios and things like that. And one of the fun parts for us there is we are a female hosting lineup for the most part. We have JJ Harrison as a field reporter, who's the 2013 national finals barrel man or rodeo club uh, of the year. And so uh, we have him jump on as well, but it's really interesting because a lot more of the the Cowboys and the older men who, who are true, just diehard rodeo fans will listen to our, our round updates during the NFR because they're like, well, those girls actually know their stats pretty well. And I'm like, God, putting that on my resume. You're like, this old guy said, I know my stuff. I'm like, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then, okay. I have another question that you brought up. I know we haven't gotten to uh, really talking about the podcast yet or about cowgirl nine one one. We will, but I want to know about lobbying. So, Um, you said you worked as a lobbyist. Yes. Yeah. So I actually was the registered lobbyist. I never would really say that I am the lobbyist, but I have worked in the Capitol, um, both reporting on the different testimonies that were given and different bills and hearings and things like that. And then also wrote most of our copy at the time when our, we had a, a hired lobbyist. And then we always had somebody in office. And at the time first stretch was our executive director. And then he stepped out to run as a house rep actually. And so we needed someone in the office to be registered. And so it was between myself and two other people. And I was lucky enough to get the bid, I guess. So with no law background or anything like that, besides business law from school, you know, what is it? Business 231. Yeah. Something <laughs> um, like that. That was, yep. That was like, that guy was the one who got it. And so I worked uh, pretty exclusively during that one quarter um, that I was on there with the Wolf administration. Um, also was pretty hands-on during the National Monument Conversations. This is, again, 2016 to 2017 in Oregon, uh, working with D.C. Public Lands Council, a uh, whole bunch of stuff like that. And then when I first started, it's like when I was in Sturdy, Oregon and first started, I was actually the tail end, and my predecessor had done a phenomenal job, but I was the tail end cleanup crew for the Malheur National Refuge takeover, if anyone's familiar with that national international debacle. <laughs> okay, I know nothing about it. Oh, well... What's the re- like the Reader's Digest version? You guys should just look it up. There's a whole bunch. Okay. Of, there's a couple different documentaries, but a group from Nevada, actually, the Bundy family, came into the Malheur National Refuge takeover or Malheur National Refuge in southeastern Oregon, and ended up holding a peaceful turn to not so peaceful uh, standoff um, in support of the Hammond family. Um, although it was not in any connection with the Hammond family, um, Hammond family had. Um, two patriarchs in their family I actually went to jail over some some fires and stuff it, it, and it was this huge it was a hot topic conversation and they were actually pardoned by uh former president of the united states donald trump uh when he first went into office he actually um as part of his promise of getting into office pardoned them okay that's wild i lived in nevada <laughs> at this time and i had no idea about any of this okay i'm gonna look it up as soon as yeah, we get this interview i'm looking it up <laughs> it's wild <laughs> where can people find you on i'm pretty media? easy to find all my user handles are just K T like the letters K T S C H R zero C K. And if you can't guess my grade or like age five to 18 basketball number, there's your hint. <laughs> and so K T S C H R zero C K that's literally across the board for shoot Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, I think even LinkedIn, Facebook, it's just Katie Schrock. So Katie.schrock.16. So uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere pretty easy. Ag Leader Academy, That Western Life, and Cowgirl 911 are all just as they sound. Um, at any Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook that you want to look up. We'd love to have you be a part of our, our growing community. So this was part one. If you liked it, again, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. I'll be back next week with Katie to talk about all things Cowgirl 911 and her podcast, That Western Life. Have a good rest of your week. <laughs>